Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this exciting episode of the Club of Books where we're going to be discussing the King of, Kings of the Wild. By exciting! Uh, we went over chapters 19 through 28, I believe, and mm -hmm. that's what we're going to be discussing, but we're kind of going to be switching up styles this week. We're not going to be doing your um, what we've been doing, just kind of like going through the hits. We're just going to kind of be highlighting what we thought was good and discussing that um pretty much because you guys are reading along so you know what happened we don't need to really be giving you the, the play-by-plays so anyway the first thing that i kind of really want to talk about is um what i really would say is kind of the fulcrum point of the readings this week was the manticore fight or maticore um manticore. <coughs> it was epic and the whole time I was getting this image in my head, kind of of the uh, barrel scene when, uh, in The Hobbit, the second Hobbit movie, when the uh, dwarves and Bilbo are riding down that wild river, running away from the orcs and the elves. And they were still somehow, even though they were all kind of discombobulated, not well armed really, still kind of joking around with each other kind of somehow able to come together and defeat the thing that they were facing. It was cool. I wish they would have described the uh, Manticore a little bit better. I was kind of having a hard time having it in my head um, of what this was like. It seemed sort of like a Hydra uh, a little bit with different beasts. Um, Essentially, yeah. But the, my problem was, is like, there was a fog of war with me while I was reading this chapter of, uh, you know, okay, you, you see that head's done. Oh, wait, there's another, like, I, I was like, oh, shit, they killed it. And like, and then the other two, I was like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> so Yeah, I, I would agree with that a little bit. What helps me in a lot of these books and reading, if there's a creature that's being described, I'll immediately go look up just fan art and be like, all right, what, what? What am I looking at here? Especially something kind of this um, wild. And it definitely helped put it in my mind a little bit more of the battle. Because I think he does a, a decent job of explaining the creature in totality. Uh, at the end of it, yeah. Like, but this this section was uh, pro or um, came right after a pretty girthy telling of lore and like world building so i was a little like all right mm -hmm. all right like i know there was some stuff in between and we're going to talk about it a little bit more but this first half of the reading dude there was a lot there was a lot of reading yeah a lot of um like you said world building another part of the fight though that i really appreciated was um and I didn't expect Matrick to be as big of a player in it as he was. And um, I was happy to see why everyone said, uh, oh, he's freaking... Ah, fuck, why is his name escaping me now? I want to say it's Galleon. Ganelon. <laughs> uh, Ganelon. Damn it, that's what it is. I know it was up with a G. Well, he's freaking Ganelon. Uh, he pretty much was going He-Man on the Manticore, which was yep. epic. Um. I really appreciated the action scenes with him in it, 
and like I said with Matrick because the whole time I was waiting for Matrick to be that bumbling drunk king and he actually like stepped up to the plate in my eyes during this fight scene as like hey he's actually still pretty freaking deadly and still cunning um, yeah I think they did a good job paying off Ganelon his um they built him up for not the whole book obviously but for about 10 chapters we kept hearing Ganelon Ganelon is awesome Ganelon's like dangerous like this aura and immediately we get the riot house which we get a taste kind of and then we get this and it's just him this guy means business he's uh, this is what he lives for pretty much yeah um and also the description of his battle axe was pretty killer i was a big fan of it um it's exactly exactly what i imagined him wielding before they described what he would be wielding so i was very happy with that the uh the dual-bladed double war axe with runes down each of the crescent blades. I was like, oh, that's so fucking sweet. And I know it's got a name based on a hard rock. Damn it. What's the name of his axe? Uh, I can't remember. Insane. I No, it's something very simple. It's it's a hard it's a it's a golden age rock, um, uh, album. But yeah, it's big northern bastard swinging an axe around. It's hard to beat that as your fifth bandmate. I was kind of sad with Clay's um, display in the mm-hmm. arena, mostly because. I imagined him being the shield. He'd be, like, the, the tank of the group. Um, so I thought he'd be, like, up front. And m- maybe he was, but kind of how I was seeing it from his perspective of he was sort of sheepish. Like, he knew what was on the line now with Jenny and his daughter. And he did, he, like, is there to try and risk it for Gabe, but I don't think he's fully committed to this cause yet, really, is kind of how I was reading it and how I felt like that battle went for him. Um, I think it's just, I think it's more so just, they're old, dude. That might be it, Get, too, but like, I mean, you have Gabe doing what he's doing, and Ganelon doing what he's and even Moog, dude. Moog well, Moog was, <laughs> Moog was great old. until he got knocked the fuck out. Like, I think Clay's just, look, Clay's just looking around going, what the fuck are we doing? Like, maybe that's, a, yeah, that's probably what was going through his head. Because even they described it when they went into the uh, the arena. Like, they dressed Gabe up, and Saga is the greatest band ever. And they made Gabe kind of look like Golden Gabe, but this whole time Gabe's been timid and, like, pretty much useless to his band. Like, he has been a shell of a shell of himself. I mean, I would even say in this fight he was kind of useless to the band as well. Because he was the first taken out with the... Um poison as well well not the poison the paralytic agent yeah the, the man- manticore whatever neurotoxin or however you want to phrase it and then matrick gets and matrick i mean he did well but matrick's out of shape he's not in his fighting form so he gets taken out clay gets absolutely um messed up too and yeah moog is moog i love 
once again what he did. Um, I love, I, I absolutely love Moog. Like, but yeah, he's a goober. He's a massive goober. But more, more importantly, the, the scene continues with um, the Manticore kind of goes crazy. Its wings get unleashed, which they previously were locked up so it couldn't escape and wreak havoc on the town and everything. And it continues to, you know, do what wild beasts do and wreak havoc pretty much on anything it sees. Ganelon ends up killing it with <clears throat> help of Clay's sword, which Clay uh, heroically lodged in its throat, which I thought was a smart idea. Um, and by that time, the, the stadium, which the first time I read it through, I didn't catch a description of it. The stadium is for whatever logical reason, a raft being held much. in place on a river. Like, I would think it more like just a giant barge ship. Yeah, bar barge definitely works, but... Yeah, I guess barge works. I would say I don't see this as a boat, so that's why I don't want to call it a barge. Um... It's just, it's a spectacle. The Maxathon was built to just be... This incredible, ridiculously huge spectacle. And obviously it was working because they were quite uh, a lot of people there. They were pretty smitten with the ability to see Saga on tour again, kicking ass and well, or dying. You know, one so of those. like, hey, let's have a coliseum where we will routinely have dangerous beasts battle bands. Like... One, that's just a metal statement, okay? <laughs> that's metal as fuck. Oh, absolutely. Um, two. I don't know. They just maybe that's why they did it. It's like this is this is metal. We need to do this. But what happens during this chapter is proves why it was a dumb idea. The Manticore pretty much destroys the holdings on well, it not it, but indirectly destroys the holdings of or the moorings of the raft and. Uh, pretty much starts to rampage down the river and rampage shit rampage but that that was really the first thing i want to talk about in the first i mean like you said there's a lot of dense uh world building stuff that was brought up but this was the first thing that really popped my attention another part that i really appreciated was the introduction of vanguard which mm -hmm. is another uh popular band that's kind of from the band from the Saga saga's age. era, yeah. and I once again appreciated the author sneaking in more details of the world of like, oh, this guy's an Arachnian, and I'm like, does that mean what I think it means? <laughs> and like, yeah, Tiamax. As it continues, I'm like, oh, because at first he just said like Tiamax, I was like, oh, that's like a play on Tiamat, the the axe, and um. It continues, oh, shit, that's the, oh, that's so cool, he's a spider person. And just uh, Vanguard's whole chemistry was something that I really appreciated because it wasn't like Saga, it was more generational. So it was what Saga probably would have became if it continued. If it stayed together, yeah, they've got Barrett the leader. I forgot the, the, the lady's name, uh, which... I feel bad, but I, I did forget. Then you've got Piglet, the son of one of their old bandmates. That's a little fat guy. That's awesome. All he does is eat. And then, of course, you've got T.O. Max. They're bartending 
uh, arachnid with a missing mandible that really wants to just he was so, he's such a fun character just talking talking shit having fun with the band like i really enjoyed vanguard's uh introduction and they're uh in possession of the old glory a druin flying ship yes i'm i skipped out on that completely they saved saga from the manticore rampage with a flying ship and um after the Manticore's been killed, of course, the Rampage is still going on of, like, the the raft and everything going down the river. But I... That really wasn't kind of the important part because as the story unfolds, they don't really get to use a ship to their advantage. It kind of just saves them from their despot at that point. I would say they get a little bit of an advantage. They get out of there and they're able to then hitch yeah, yeah, a ride yeah. to, uh... Back but to Conth- like or not, to Yeah, Castillo, back to Conthus. You know, not like a ride to Castillo. No, no, he's not. Yeah. Yeah, we, we find out that not only does the Heartwild itself, like in the forest, pose lots of problems, it's like, nah, the weather will kill you. And there's like electric sky snakes and like a bunch of shit that's just like, really? Okay. This is just a bad place. So what it's I a don't bad world to live in. Like, literally, what is keeping that shit at bay? Because Fine. how is it not just running rampant throughout the world? How is it contained within the heart wild? Are we going to find out that the druids at some point put like a a blessing on the land or something to contain the heart wild for its safety? Or <clears throat> Jeez, No, so over here there, this isn't this wasn't the first heart wild horde. Uh, when the Dominion fell and we find out more. We found out a little, actually a little bit in this uh, reading when the Dominion fell, uh, the the uh, there was Heartwild Hordes that were um, destroyed, and the monsters were almost put to extinction, and then the bands would go out and kind of like quell the population for the longest time because they would go out looking for treasure and glory and you know fame, but since the bands stopped touring. And they've been doing their crap in, like, the Maxathon and the other arenas. That's what's allowed the populations to regrow. And now they have another massive horde on their hands to contend with. Okay. So those... Everyone got scared and lazy. Which makes sense when you're dealing with the chance to get the rot. Like, why go out and... Why go out and do that when we can stay, you know, relatively safe and have the same bullshit reaction or not bullshit, the the same uh, rewards and fame and fortune. Okay. Well, Vanguard, um, like I was saying earlier, doesn't help our friends you know all the way doesn't really join them uh but they do take them to confis where calric is and where the group plans on outfitting themselves with uh calric's wares and goods <clears throat> which i loved because i hate calric and i was very <laughs> well one the way that they read the uh, the gang walking up and then Moog slipping and cursing and <laughs> everyone else like having a problem with that, I 
loved because it was your classic slow um <laughs> you know the slow walk up yep and then someone and then oh ah, so shit <laughs> I love I, so I, I love just this section too. Once they get their like they get everyone back together, they just don't give a shit. Like Calric's goons, Calric himself, like, nope, doesn't matter. You're you're fucked, Calric. You're a douche. Mm-hmm. The whole Yeah, and also it started to give Gabe his confidence back, you get you see in this part too, which I really appreciated because he gets to um interact with valerie a little bit more which i believe is her name and yep. she's trying to go clean a little bit she comes to terms with the fact that her daughter is in um wow i said it perfectly earlier but now that i have compass in my head i can't remember it um castia castia thank you uh and she offers them doesn't really offer but tells them that they can steal uh calric's airship that he has his uh, love frigate or whatever, his lustful airship, and yeah, she's starting to get off the scratch, and uh, they all. I want to before we even go to the airship though. I want to talk about some of the shit they outfitted themselves with. I want to talk about the what is it? A horn that <laughs> blows the bee, bee horn <laughs> is. <laughs> absolutely hilarious and matrix giddy goofy childhood like (laughs) exuberance with it this is great (laughs) that was awesome the stupidly deus ex machina-esque food hat is incredible i won't lie though i really do agree with moog that that was kind of the best item like a hat that you can pull food out of is oh absolutely that's it's that thing is so unbelievably broken yeah in this story (laughs) clay gets himself a ice like ice enchanted war hammer and then he also gets uh he named it i think like siren or something and then he also got armor that can't be penetrated by blade yeah, Clay got out of everyone. Clay got a huge buff. Yeah. Like if this was a D and D adventure, Clay would be damn near broken at this point. With his shield and that armor, I would agree with you a hundred percent. Like my God. Um, I, I did Gabe really get anything other than Velicor? Like he got that's that's what he needed. He got Velicor back. Okay. And I like and, and that's uh, I know. Ganelon got uh van braces i know that but i can't remember anything else ganelon was just there to kick ass pretty i mean he's that's that's what he does that's ganelon unfortunately that's not unfortunate but that's ganelon is just he's their tank like in every sense of the word he is their absolute beast of a warrior and i (laughs) ganelon i normally am not a huge fan of just one-dimensional characters ganelon just works because you start seeing glimpses of Ganelon's character as the story progresses, and it's like, maybe you're not as one-dimensional. There is There are layers to this onion. Not a lot, but there's a few. <laughs> layers to the onion. Oh, man. Uh, so what were some of the things that you wanted to talk about this week? Before we hop on to my three uh, 
they do end up commandeering his airship. And uh, we meet Saga's newest member. I think he's important to mention. Kit they the now have Kit the Unkillable. Because as you've noticed in the story, Saga seemingly has gone through a dozen bards and they've died. Now they finally have a bard that cannot die. And Moog and him knew each other because Moog gave him his phylactery for his boner. Which I was like, oh, this that's a good... That's a good mental image, this ambling, shambling corpse, stumping things. Thanks. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, now it's in my head. But, uh, yeah, that one, they've got, they now have another member of the band, which was cool. But going on to my three, uh, to start off these chapters, they had to obviously go get Ganelon. So they ended up going to Denantra's, I want to say house. It's like a, the manor, mansion, estate, because she's fucking loaded. Uh, and Denantra is a Gorgon. And they described her like, how Calric is called the ogre. I just, I love that line. Calric's described as a monster as the ogre. Well, she's the Gorgon, because, well, she's a Gorgon. Well, I was uh, under the preconception of, I think, most readers when they went through this the first time that, you know, you're going to be turned to stone at some point with a Gorgon. And I was the whole time kind of on the edge of my seat, like, waiting. And after, I think it was either Clay or Matrick that the books had looked at her in her eyes the first time. I was like, oh, okay, I guess maybe she has to, like, turn it on or something. And then, like... Later, it just comes out right and says, of course, this is, like, a lie that, like, you turn to stone. They just have an obsession with statues. I was like, oh, that's, that's funny. That's hilarious because it's almost like a, um, people used to believe in Zeus because of science, you know, that it, it kind of gives an explanation to it. I, yeah. I enjoyed that. And they, and there are powers, there are entities in this world that can turn you to stone and petrify you, but it's, it wasn't the Gorgon herself. But Matrix delivery is like, God damn it, I don't know if she can turn me to stone, but I'm rock hard right now. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the whole scene, he's getting more upset. He's sitting there drinking wine, and it's described as Matrix's phallic-shaped pillow uh, between his legs jerked a little bit every, every so often. I'm like, all right, this story's got a lot of boner humor. And as much as I appreciate boner humor, this is like, come on now, this scene's a little important. There's a lot of lore here. We're having a ultimate good and ultimate evil face-off. Well, especially with who was introduced later in this conversation. I know we haven't gotten there yet. I, was, I, I don't know if they ever brought it up, but I was like, are they going to continue with the boner jokes while this continues? <laughs> like, He had a hard-on that entire time. They made that really clear, and I'm just like, all right, didn't, okay. It's a little silly. But it's again one of the. It's it's one of the it's one of the aspects of the story that I love. It never takes itself too seriously. True, true. So what else was going on in this scene? But yeah, in this scene, so from what I gathered, Denantra, Gabe approached Denantra about getting Ganelon back, who was turned to stone, because he, he, he. Okay. A sultanan prince was 
going after a girl Ganelon fancied. Mm-hmm. So Ganelon, like, how I can't remember the order. So, Lots of people yeah, died. So I, I know the order. So Ganelon killed the entire prince's um, garrison of troops. So then the prince because the prince him. killed. He didn't kill her yet. He just raped her, and then after that was the garrison it. was killed. The guy then burned the girl at the stake, which then Ganelon then tortured and beat the shit out of the prince and then burned him at the stake, at then which the prince's dad, the king or the sultan. The sultana, yeah, the woman. uh, Oh, yeah, it was a woman. My bad, my bad. Um, Went after Ganelon. And Ganelon, that's kind of what broke up Saga. Yeah, Saga. Well, that, that kind of did it, but Moog was off trying to cure Freddy. Valerie was in Gabe's ear. Matrick had his kingdom to run, and Clay was just like, "You know what? I'm I'm good. I'm done." He want he wanted out, and he wanted to be done. Which I don't blame the guy for Christ's sake. Like, and Ganelon. So that was the order. That was the order. All right, I'm getting back on track here. Hmm. Then. Denantra rescinds the offer because Last Leaf, once he saw Saga reuniting, was like, oh, I'm going to go stop them from getting their heavy back, which was smart, and then essentially offers Denantra, when I win, I'm going to be the new, essential, like, Palpatine of this world, and you can be one of my uh, hierarchs. You can be, You can be in favor with me if you do this for me. So not only does he have to give him the gold... Now Saga has to compete because they really don't have much of a choice or they'll die in the Maxathon uh, and try and survive. So after that happens, they then go get their boy Ganelon. I think that's... Oh, and during the whole Last Leaf stuff, we find out more about Last Leaf's past with his father and Velikor and the Druins, how they did come from a different plane of reality and how Velikor carved that a portal to this realm I mean, and we find, find out, out that a little and it leaves you wanting a lot more, be- more yeah more of like what happened between last leaf and his father because he's like you killed my father with his own blade he deserved worse than that and of course you hear clay's uh inner monologue there that like there really can't be that much of a worse fate especially with a blade that Rips holes in realities. Yeah, Velikor. There's there's a lot left to be, and I, I obviously I know what's happening. There is, this gives you the taste of something's odd. Like there's something's not being said because to this point, Lastly's father has been deemed like, oh, he was a druid, but you know he wasn't a bad guy. This is kind of showing maybe there's a little more to Last Leaf and his family than we're seeing. Yeah, maybe, especially them being immortal. I kind of think Last Leaf's father had a little bit to do with possibly the Last Dominion and maybe the fall of the Heartwild. And he, he was Last Leaf's dad was the because the Druids used to essentially be the big shits in this world and then like there was called the dominion and then it all fell apart so it's like all right what what caused the dominion to fall apart what like what's going on we've heard that kantha 
was a druin and Conthus was his city and we heard that golems were a thing what does he have to do with it this that interaction like you said raises a lot more questions than going it's like all right what happened to the rest of the druins so that's why i enjoyed this interaction because you know to this point this has been kind of just like a, oh you know fairy tale whimsy and you know action abound but now we're starting to get all right this is actually a pretty unique world that nicholas eames has built now i want to know more exactly it gives it a level of villain that kind of you don't get very often because it's kind of like the thanos villain of all right well you have all these these nasty beasts in the heart wild and then of course you have all the politics and planning that goes on in the background of just regular human interaction but also you have the druins now too that are kind of well, they play the long game to what we see, but to them it's probably the short game because they live longer. Um, yeah, I, I hate villains in stories that are just one note. The best villains in their own minds think that they're justified and they come from a place of good in their own mind. Like, those are the best villains, in my opinion. Um, I know there's some exceptions you can argue, but that's just my opinion. Well, the I, more we find out about Lastleaf, I'm like, okay, like, what has happened to you that has caused you to go down this path? And as bad as you are, are you justified in your feelings? Because even at this point, we've seen, hey, not all monsters are bad. Uh, huh. Maybe this world isn't as good as we kind of see it being. Maybe these guys are justified. Maybe it's more so black and white as we thought it was. Um, good and evil is more of a skew. Shades of gray, man. <clears throat> and that's what makes a good story. Yeah, definitely agree. I don't. Um, other than the whole deal with Forganalon that goes down here and kind of, as I would like to say, saber-rattling between Saga and Last Leaf... Not much else is delivered here other than the gang going to um, a bar afterwards, correct? Yeah, that's correct. They get Ganelon back. Moog uh, unthaws him. Ganelon doesn't immediately kill them like Clay thought he would, which is nice. And Ganelon actually pretty much says, Meh! It's alright. Look, you guys. He pretty much says, You guys look like shit. Doesn't sound like I missed much. It's alright. Which I found pretty funny. It's like, oh, yeah. Ganelon pretty much took a nap. and uh, Or that's what it seems. Ganelon took a nap. And Matrick got fat. Moog got crazier. Ganelon, or uh, Clay got old. And Gabriel's broken. So Ganelon pretty much is doing all right. But I love... <clears throat> pardon me. I enjoyed the Riot House immensely. Because it just broke up. It was that nice breakup between the Last Leaf interaction and the Manticore fight. And it's just... We've all been to a bar. You walk in and go, This place is trouble. I'm in danger. But I ain't leaving. This is a band bar. And Saga is then beseeched with fans. Like, of normal people, of other old bands... Because then we start really seeing more so, man, Saga was a really big damn deal. Huh. All right. 
I kind of felt like this was a little bit, and it was just for me too, because after the whole last leaf deposition, you're given, you know, the idea that they're going to see Ganelon, and then how I thought it was going to be is like paragraph or chapter break, boom, arena. And then it goes, boom, more talking. And I'm like, ugh, I kind of, I kind of just want to get to some action. Like, I, I have enough world building i mean there was definitely some good interaction here but what was it the, they met the screaming eagles and clay made some good jokes with them i think they actually got in a fight with them um there there were gems here but i didn't appreciate this as much as i thought i would just because of what i said of like i was expecting to get right into the action of it and i got more i would say character building if anything i don't really want to say world building because there wasn't really any like huge reveals that were given at this moment so did uh was there anything else to this part that you liked I think we might have lost uh, Grinta. Oh shit! Are you there? Yeah, man, I'm here. I don't know. I uh, unplugged and replugged my mic, and that seemed to fix it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, yeah, no, I'm. Um, what I loved about this section, I agree with you to an extent. Um, I really like this section because it had to pay off. Is Ganelon going to kill us? No, he's not. Cool. All right, we've got our full band back together. Because they talked about Ganelon might just kill us. However, this ends with, we had also heard, Ganelon is trouble. Ganelon is a bad dude. You don't fuck with Ganelon. Then they kept mentioning, as the, as the screaming eagles and how Clay called them the screeching eagles, like, oh, uh, like we're giving them shit for taking their booking and... Clay goes, all right, Ganelon's still drinking his beer. We're okay. He's not going to kill everyone. All right, Ganelon's still drinking his beer. We're going to be good. And then all of a sudden you just, I believe the phrasing was, and then you heard the thump of <laughs> Ganelon putting his beer down. And I'm like, cool, we're about to get a bar fight next se <laughs> next chapter. And the riot house was burnt to the ground. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck did Ganelon do? And it's just that moment where I'm like, I cannot... It, that got me more jazzed for the fight. I'm like, okay, Ganelon is a bad dude. This is going to be a lot of fun when he gets his teeth into a chapter where he starts kicking ass. And that's why going into the Manticore fight, I was more excited because I think Memes did a good job of giving us just a teaser. That's why I love the Riot House. A good little tease. It was a good bleed in into um, the fight for sure because it it built up once again or put you in the familiar mindset of Saga. Saga used to be on the the tongue or in the tongue. <laughs> Shit, uh, coming out of everyone's mouths and um, still was when they were talking about the greats, but now they're fighting and you're like oh shit now i get to see what everyone was talking about in the last <sighs> chapter now i get to see this shit unfold um 
Which is really cool. <coughs> I agree. So what else? Were and you the, and the final, uh, the final, like, because we've talked about Calric, we've talked about um, Last Leaf and all that, and just the final part that was interesting to me, um, Matrick's wife knows he's alive and now has sent a bounty hunter after the band named Larkspur. That's a and really this... bounty hunter. She's, I'm pretty sure if I'm thinking of the correct character, she's something else altogether. She's, Larkspur is, she's a creature. She's like a, I think, oh, I can't remember the phrasing or the name that they called her, but she's essentially like, she's the Boba Fett of this area. The best at what she does. Like, no matter what. And Matrick knows, because they've used her. His wife used Larkspur to, like, get her back some jewels. And, like, she's bad news. And she has the power. She's, like, um... She has the power of a... Like, um... A siren to enchant men to their beckoning. And we know it's powerful. Because at this point, we understand. Clay really loves his wife. Mm -hmm. Like, Jenny was giving him shit at the beginning... But she absolutely, or he is absolutely 100% infatuated with Jenny and his daughter and his whole family, right? Yes. That, that, and, that was kind of solidified with the Vanguard chapter. Yep. And then, all of a sudden, this broad shows up and she flashes her eyes and Clay's like, No, you love, what's her name? Like, Larkspur made him completely forget Jenny's name in total. And like Larkspur is bad news for the crew, and luckily Jane and the Silk Arrows were there to give them a cover because apparently Larkspur doesn't work on her feminine wiles. Don't affect women. I think we lost your mic again, man. But. To continue what you're saying, I was also very happy that Jane was there during that part because, like you said, one, she was sort of the silver, <clears throat> not the silver lining, but the um, the hidden knife against Larkspur because it didn't work on her because she was a girl. And most of her bandmates, I believe she, she has like a full woman team, um, they were there with her. So they were there to kind of affect that and it was something that one i kind of saw coming because the whole time they're building up jane to be this character that constantly interacts with um constantly interacts with clay and gabriel along their travels and then you know you meet them again after they get matrick and moog and you're constantly like oh they're they're pimping themselves out i see them becoming a band even jane brings it up we are a band and here i if, if anything i think jane might be is going to be the slayer of larkspur and that's going to be kind of where she starts to get her fame from one surprise or when i was reading that that's that's a good prediction like when I was reading this story, I was like, all right, Jane and the Silk Arrows, these are, this is a cute character. You know, like the first time we meet her on the road, I honestly didn't think, yeah, well, this will be a recurring uh, character. 
once this is now the third time we've seen them and it's incredible like they went from just thugs essentially to now they're like decked out and they're pretty pivotal side characters so it's fun to see their development along with the band kind of getting together while saga reunites it's like oh jane gets to get her own blaze her own trail now and yeah, Jane's one of my favorite. I mean, there's, it's, there's it's almost to a point where I'm hoping, like, I know Bloody Rose is probably going to be about Rose because, like, it, it's her name. But I, I hope that he, that one of these books is going to be about Jane and the Arrows because she is becoming one of my, even though at the beginning, not one of my favorite characters. I was way more infatuated with Moog or Gabriel's uh, Clark Kent isms, I would say. Um, but now it's kind of like, I hope Jane stays with them. I hope she clears up this monster hunt that she's on and she becomes like the um, the deus machina for Saga. I want it to be Jane riding in on a flying ship with arrows and shit that actually saves the day. That, that That's how this character's been built up for me now and I, I'm very surprised by that. Let's be honest and very clear. The best character is still Mook. Uh, yes, yes. Like, it's, and it's not close, but, I mean, it's Moog. But Jane, Jane's just another aspect of this world that I love, and I've enjoyed immensely. So, kudos to Nicholas Eames, even the side characters. Like, even, Vanguard was with us for one chapter, maybe two, and I was like, Tiamax, what an awesome design, fun, endearing character. Even Piglet, like, he had maybe ten lines, it sounds like. But it's like, he seems nice, he's memorable, he's just a little fat guy that likes to eat constantly. And I bet, you know what, when it comes down to it, I guarantee he probably can kick some serious ass. Mm-hmm. He kind of, to me, I was imagining like what Gimli's son would be. Oh. Or in the, you talked about the Hobbit earlier, Buffer, the fattest dwarf. Yeah, precisely. Well, the reason why is because Gimli was still a little bit of a badass and less obsessed with eating, if anything. No, Bifer wasn't. Both. Fuck. Bifer, both. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, there's a lot of foes. <laughs> there's a lot of names. Um, my wife wants me to memorize all of them. But anyway, that's pretty much, I think, where we end um, of this week's readings. There really wasn't too much left. I think it ends with Moog saying... Because one of them's like, let's get out of here and move, or let's run out of here. And Moog's like, let's not run, let's fly. Um, because, of course, they they now have not really the rights to a ship, but they have the location, and they now have... Um... <laughs> God bless it, the name always escapes me. Ganelon with them, so they're going to be golden. Um, no one's really going to mess with them at all. And they pretty much are on their way to Castia. That's that's pretty much where we end with our heroes. To predict kind of what's going on, I I think we're going to <clears throat> one we're gonna have to deal with some monster fights, and they're definitely going to be fighting the uh, probably sky monsters that they brought up probably a couple chapters worth but i really do think most of it's going to be them getting in castia 
um, sort of trying to rouse everyone behind their banner and listen to them, um, or maybe even just try and get Rose to understand that, like, she doesn't need to save everyone type of thing and just pull her out. I think that's probably what these next chapters are going to be. We'll, we'll get introduced to Gabriel's daughter. And if anything, we might get a perspective change shift because I, with them having the ship now, I see them getting to their locations a lot faster and with a lot less problems. Like, we're not going to get a run-in with Jane and the Silver Arrows anymore um, or Silk Arrows because they're flying um so i think the the transitions between scenes will become a lot smoother and maybe a little bit more uh time skippy so that's kind of where we're going to be ending on this week i think we're uh we lost our other host a little bit again because of some uh technical issues but anyway we hope to see you guys again here next week i'm here i'm here i'm here hunter i was uh letting you finish i didn't want to interrupt you when you were doing your oh, prediction okay my bad dude <laughs> no you're good no you were uh that was an excellent fucking prediction like holy shit um i'm not gonna tell you if you're right or wrong but wow like well done yeah I, um from, from <laughs> you're gonna remember that prediction like you should actually even jot that down for yourself my prediction when I was reading at this point, I was like, cool. They got their boys. They got a ship. They're about to hit the road. I think now is they're done. They're done mucking about. They're about to hit the skies going to Castia. But I was like, I, I looked at it as this, like, there's a lot of book left. Something's going to happen. So I predicted at this point that ship's not making it to Castia. Like, this sounds, something sounds too easy right now. So that was my prediction. Yeah, I'm hoping, just because of the way that the sky ships work, it's definitely going to be a part of their escape, I think. But you're definitely right. Their, their sky <coughs> ship ain't, ain't living too long. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, what do you want to do for the next reading, buddy? Uh, let's go ahead and just do another Tim chapter. So, uh, 28 to 30. Or 30. Yeah, 29 to 30. Yeah, 29. Do you want to do 20? Yeah, that'll work. Yep. All right. I am... Shit starts picking up, dude. Like, there are some really cool fucking introductions coming in these 10 chapters that I know you're going to like. There's especially one... I don't know if it's within this 10... But one of the main reasons I wanted you to read this book, there's one side character and one aspect of the story that I'll be shocked if you don't text me going, oh my god, Corrente, this is incredible. <laughs> well, I kind of, like, at one point, like, that does excite me. But also on the same token, I am, this is getting almost to be, like, beginner um, Naruto-ish. Like, there are so many characters here, and it's it's kind of, as you know, as the people listening as you know, my guest or my guest my host knows i'm having problems remember freaking ganelon's name and he was just introduced um luxpur was just because you texted me that and you were saying a lot so it's it's let, definitely yeah <laughs> let me put you at relative ease then there are not a lot the character introductions going forward aren't as prevalent we have our 
villain, we've got our heroes, we've got our side characters pretty fleshed out. There's a few other really memorable ones, um, but at this point, you're good. There isn't like another dozen main characters you're going to have to remember. Okay. Cool. So I, I normally don't like to spoil like things, but if there's anyone else re- listening to us and they have the same reaction, stick through it. You're, you're gonna, it's gonna be okay. Awesome. The character fatigue should be lessened. <laughs> and not that I'm complaining about any of the characters, but there, there is a lot to, and I mean, you kind of need it because he is sort of building a trilogy series here, so you're gonna need some, yeah, some legs to walk, but yeah, cool. world. So we hope to see you guys again here next week or next time we post. Anyway, have a good one. Shit, yeah.